Hey guys, it's Mason, and uh, this is more of an addendum to Anime Attic. This is the manga special. I felt that mangas weren't getting enough attention, so here I am. We're going to do a Manga Maven special with our special host. Hey guys, I'm Raven. Raven the Manga Maven, and we're down with that. Zara and I have talked about Pet Shop of Horrors already, the anime, the OEV series, but I wanted to talk more about the manga because I didn't really get a chance to get in depth of it and Raven is a huge fan isn't that right it's true Pet Shop of Horrors was my first manga ever I picked it up when a friend of mine let me borrow her first volume when I was in eighth grade and I never looked back so it was a great great series the art is absolutely beautiful yeah I was gonna say the art is utterly astounding big props to the artist Matsuri Akino who I believe is also the writer she is she's over in Japan, writers are often also the artists, yes? It's true. You really only start seeing the splits when you come to American-made series like Princess Ai, who was written by Courtney Love, but illustrated by somebody else. Gotcha. But back to Matsuri Akino, she actually has... The first series of Pet Shop is 10 volumes long, and the second series only made it to eight because Tokyo Pop went out of business. Yeah, I was going to mention that briefly, and I talked about this in the anime episode a little bit, but yes, first series, Pet Shop Series 1, is 10 volumes. It was released in Japan... 1995. And then it was released in the US in 2003, which is actually when I picked it up. But the second series only made it to eight volumes, as did her other series that she was releasing at the time called Genju no Seza, which is a little bit further away from the horror genre and more in the adventure fantasy, but very much keeps in the whole animals and pets and all of that being very, very important to the storyline, as well as her favorite thing that she does in Pet Shop, where animals can look like humans or half human, as well as looking like animals, depending on who's seeing them at any time. She's really into horror and fantasy, but it's interesting that her other series takes a step away from horror because she handles it so well. It's true. But I think at the core, the real beauty of Pet Shop is what they do with the animals. Kind of the darkness of the storyline, which also exists in Genju no Seza, but just not necessarily in a horror capacity. That's really interesting because the first series, I didn't find quite dark. I mean, it is dark, but it's clearly geared towards younger readers. The second series, which I hope we'll talk about at some point, is the new Pet Shop, and that seemed to be geared more towards... Pet Shop of Horrors Tokyo! Yeah, and that seemed to be geared more towards adult readers focusing on themes like domestic violence. You get that, especially towards the end of the first series as well. As you start exploring, there's a mother who abused her daughter to the point where her daughter killed her, and the pet actually releases all of those pent-up feelings through her daughter. And it's this really cool exploration of the family abuse that's just been going on. Wow, that's awesome. Oh, good, good job. I, I, I skimmed the manga. I'm not a manga guy. I, I think I've mentioned this before, but when I read manga, it just kind of comes across to me as storyboards. So I like it and I find it very beautiful, but secretly on the inside, I'm just constantly waiting for the anime to come out. But that's okay. You know, I know I'm missing out a lot and that's why you're here to tell me all about it. So Raven, what drew you to this manga? I've always been a huge fan of horror. I work at the Queen Mary Dark Harbor during October as a monster. It's one of my favorite things to do. I love horror movies so much. I've been watching them since I could sneak and watch them when I wasn't supposed to be. (laughs) 
It's heavy. Yeah. But it's just a genre that's always called to me. So the fact that it's so beautifully drawn and it was an art form that I was already slightly steeped in because I grew up watching Sailor Moon and Pokemon and all that stuff, Inuyasha, that it was the perfect gateway drug into manga and anime as a preteen. Yeah. And I have to concur with you. The art in this series is utterly mind-blowing. It's as if the woman took a pencil and just spent hours on each individual. Oh, tell me about it. One of my ultimate cosplay goals is to cosplay Medusa. And I just look at it and look at all of the beating I'm going to have to do and be like, all right, this is going to get pushed off. I do not have the patience for this yet. For those who haven't read the manga, Medusa shows up in one of the chapters. Well, she's also actually in the anime. Yeah, she is. But what I want to say is that she has this very elaborate headdress and her hair is done in this super elaborate way with tons of beads and beads all over her clothing. Every single one of the animals that she draws is absolutely gorgeous, whether it's Victorian style dresses or exotic style clothing. It's all over the board, depending on what region the animal happens to be from. There's just so much detail in everything. In summary, there's a pet shop run by this guy named Count D. It's run by but not owned by. He makes a very, very big point every time he's asked that he doesn't own it. He's just maintaining it for his grandfather who is traveling. And this particular pet shop takes place in Chinatown in LA. He brings people in and they're looking for for specialty needs. They have needs that they need met. And so he's like, oh, I have this special animal. And the animals look human to the outside observer. It depends on the observer because not all of the observers see them as human. For example, Officer Orcott, who we meet about two volumes in because he's actually trying to catch Count D in some sort of illegal activity because he believes him guilty of so many things. He only ever sees them as animals, except for when he's really drunk or when he gets pulled into some sort of vision quest like he does in one section with Count D. Sure. I just meant when you're talking about their outfits and their Victorian stuff Correct. like that's, that. that. That's what we as the audience see the animals as most of the time, unless we're seeing it through somebody else's perspective. However, a lot of people can see them. Like Chris, who we meet later in the series, is a little boy. He's actually Detective Orcott's brother who comes to live with him and sees all of the animals as humans. It actually becomes a point for him where Officer Orcott will constantly tell him, be on the lookout for anything suspicious and weird with these animals. Like if he's selling anything illegal, let me know. And Chris's justification for never telling Orcott anything is, well, he's not really selling animals. He's letting orphans go home with people and everyone seems so happy so I can't see what would be illegal about that. Well also Chris can't speak right? He can't but actually the only thing that bothers me in this entire series is a jump between volumes 5 and 6. Orcott can't hear Chris's thoughts the way that the animals in Count D can but Orcott is suddenly able to come volume 6. Yeah mystically I, I, I didn't get that at all. Yeah especially when they made such a big deal about Count D being able to hear Chris's thoughts the very first time he meets him. Right emphasizing counties kind of otherworldliness. Absolutely. So in difference from the anime, the anime is basically four stories pulled from the manga, but the manga is much more extensive. Extremely. Each volume has about four vignettes that are each individual stories that have one owner, one pet, and the result. It's really interesting. Actually, the first couple pages, they make a reference to gremlins. There's a guy that's leaving with a box of animals and he's like, okay, the three rules are you can't get them wet, you can't feed them after midnight, and you can't expose them to light. Yeah. And he gets a panicked call later in that chapter of they're multiplying they're attacking my family all of this stuff <laughs> and it's it's such a great reference to gremlins it certainly comes across i talked about that with zara when we were talking about the anime she said that she loved this anime because she loves gremlins um, uh... 
the the formula is the same that you go to the pet shop you buy this obscure animal the owner gives you three rules that you must abide by obviously the rules eventually get broken and then you know, not stuff. all of them come with rules though there oh, was this please. really really cool one where this girl was abusing her dog her normal dog her normal dog and she goes and brings it into the pet shop because Officer Orcott finds her doing this and is like, that's not okay. So she is brought to the pet shop with Count D and is like, I want to get rid of my dog. Will you buy it from me? And he says, I will take your dog in, but here, come look at these that you'd like in return. And it turns out she's the youngest of a whole bunch of siblings. She's picked on by her siblings. And what she really wants that Count D identifies is someone that she can then not necessarily bully, but have that power over. So they were abusing her and she wants somebody to abuse. Correct. So he he brings her into this room and everybody looks like these little starving children. It's one of those rare cases where everybody sees them like a child. She sees this thing like a child, her parents do, and they actually balk at taking the kid in until Dee provides them with $15,000 per month to take care of this kid. That's not a small amount. No, no, it is not. Long story short, the wayfish little girl starts taking on some personality and actually starts fighting back and the little girl gets jealous. The other little girl? The little girl that bought her. And she does the whole, I'm not going to pick on you, but you're my younger sister, so you're not as good as me. And the orphan little wayfish girl ends up growing up, becoming really pretty. They keep buying her dresses and doting on her, where the first little girl had only gotten like hand-me-downs, and she complains about this stuff. Are they aging at the same rate? It takes place over the course of like two or three days, so I would assume so. So when you say she gets older and is growing up, it's actually... Like she's filling out. She's she's no longer looking starved, and she's kind of coming into herself. Gotcha. She's really good at sports. Everyone in school starts really liking her. And the first little girl gets really jealous and acts out to the point where the parents punish her. And when Count D comes to collect the orphan, he actually collects that first little girl and leaves the other little girl behind to stay with the family. The original waif girl stops him and says, no, she's mine. She took care of me. You can't take her and transforms into the original dog that she was abusing. Oh, wow. And D has this whole thing of, I don't understand your loyalty to this whole human race thing, but it's it's your deal, basically. Yeah, there is a theme throughout this manga and anime of are humans worthy of being saved or are they worthy of of responsibility and can they handle it? It's interesting. Although it's veiled in a pet shop, they actually talk a lot about the human condition. It's one of the things I absolutely love about this. And there are characters who we meet later. There's a father character who we are hinted at from the very beginning, but really meet in the later volumes who looks exactly like Dee, except with much longer hair. He wants the human race to burn because with the destroying of the forests and everything else, he doesn't believe that the humans are capable of living in this world without destroying it. And so they should be destroyed in turn. And this is Dee's father. Correct. He kind of haunts Dee over the course of the manga. We have this other story that's actually one of my favorite stories. It really ties in the events of the pet shop and the events of the world and has this really big red herring. Spoilers. Oh yeah. (laughs) Spoiler alert, guys. There's a king who has died and 
his mistress is pregnant with his child. Illegitimate. I mean, she's his mistress, not his queen. Gotcha. But since there are no other heirs, the baby is going to be the heir. Meanwhile, this older woman approaches Dee in the shop and tells this beautiful tale of she and her husband had arranged marriages and they weren't in love for the longest time. And then she got sick and he took care of her and then they fell in love, although the illness took her ability to be pregnant. And he didn't care even though it would leave their land rulerless. He didn't want to cheat on her even the once that it would take to create an heir. So he died leaving the land fatherless. But this other woman decided to impregnate herself with his sperm. How did that happen? Because his advisors had him save some Ah. as well as pushing him to have an affair. Is this modern day? It is modern day. Oh, okay. I had in my head a feudal society. but The society seems very feudal, but it's just kind of written off as an exotic society out there. No, no, I meant in my head I thought this was a massive flashback 600 years ago. Oh, no, 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 no. So she approaches D and is like, I cannot bear the thought of this baby being born because it desecrates everything that my husband and I set out to do with keeping our fidelity within the marriage and him not having this child because he didn't want to be unfaithful to me. And she says that his grandfather, because Dee's grandfather... I'm, I'm confused real quick. The king was her... Husband? husband. The mistress of the original king impregnated herself through a test tube. Got you. So we're hearing this story from two perspectives. We're hearing Orcott hearing this story in his police station through evidence and everything else, yet we're also hearing the anecdotal version from this queen. And she ends the story with, your grandfather told me if I ever needed anything that I could come to him and he's not here. Can you fulfill his promise? Mm-hmm. D curses to himself, but has to do it. Yeah. So that's one thing that kind of goes through the whole manga is that whatever the grandfather says goes. Basically, and whatever the father says, D tries to fix or thwart, especially when the queen actually mentions that it was D's father who was the advisor that suggested that the king keep his sperm. Mm. So D doubly wants to get rid of this baby for her. That's heavy. It's super heavy. And you see a bomb go off at the place where they're hiding the mistress in the human world. She's attacked and Orcott responds and the attacker looks just like D. So he goes to arrest D as D is trying to go to this place where they have kept the rest of the sperm, this this lab. He's called off because the actual attacker is found. So you're wondering, is this a setup? Did D actually do this? And is it has a scapegoat? What's going on here? And then he gets rid of the sperm by wearing his father's lab coat because his father is also working there. D's father is working at the lab. So he avoids being caught by doing that and is able to destroy the sperm. And in the end, you see that everything's been wrapped up with the police station. You see the queen being reunited with her king and they fly off as they transform into birds. And the next morning, he serves Officer Orcott eggs, which Orcott then is like, wow, these eggs are huge. What'd you do? Get them from an ostrich? So it's this really cool blend of you're not sure if Orcott's case and Dee's case are the same thing until the very end where it separates. It was two separate cases that had the same thing going on. Man, my mind is blown. I know. It's this really cool moment at the end of the story where you're like, holy crap, this was different the entire time. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Man, that's heavy. I know. And you said this one wasn't dark. 
Well, <laughs> that one was, was pretty dark, but I have to admit I, I didn't read it. Yeah. How is the manga different from the anime? They're not at all. The anime is literally four stories of the manga. The anime only ever made it to four episodes. Why do you think they didn't do more? I think that Pet Shop is a very hard series to sell as an anime. While horror series have become more popular recently, at the time, it really wasn't a genre that existed much outside of like Vampire Princess Mew. Oh, yeah. Which, while gorgeous, didn't really sell too well. The OVA. Either of them, actually. That's true. Horror back in the early 2000s, late 90s wasn't a genre that sold so well. And the manga did well because it had a better budget compared to what the budget would take. Oh, interesting. Um, But the animation style is kind of choppy and not nearly as pretty as the manga is. That is true. A lot of the detail that is beautifully sketched in the manga is lost in the anime, I assume for the sake of movement. But it only ever made it to four episodes and it covered the Medusa episode, which they actually changed her costume, which bothers me a little bit. <laughs> the oh, mer- well, it was so intricate in the manga. Yeah, absolutely. It was beautiful and it was really cool because they make a big point of the lizard being albino and so the entire outfit in the manga is also white. Beautiful. It's gorgeous. They, they have the mermaid episode. They have the one with Alice, which I love that one because it's Alice and it deals with rabbits. Right. So it's very Alice in Wonderland-esque. And then they actually have the one with the Kirin, which is a really, really cool episode. And I wish the Kiyonin had come back in the manga because he's such a cool character. He he was. I I have to say of the anime, that was probably my favorite episode. I'm very sad they didn't do an episode with T-Chan. T-Chan is a character that's introduced in volume three of the manga, who he's first introduced as kind of a Hannibal-esque character who works at a Chinese restaurant that defrequents that serves a lot of meat products or a lot of meat-like products, but they're actually all vegetarian. The chef comes out and makes a big deal of meeting D because he's one of the few customers that comes in and only ever orders vegetarian. And he becomes obsessed with D. And you find out later he's obsessed with D because he wants to eat him because he is actually this legendary ram. His name is Tetsu, which is a spin on his actual race, I guess, which is a Totetsu. Which they shorten very quickly in the manga to T-Chan. Right. (laughs) But he eats everything. He's just very carnivorous. He's kind of like a goat. Yeah, ram goat. Like he has the, he has very much ram horns. And it's really funny because after D offers him a way out that doesn't involve prison and killing himself after he's caught by the police for serial killing lots of people to eat. Oh, is that like he was running this restaurant, but he was actually murdering the patrons to eat them? It wasn't the patrons. He was murdering other people outside of it. So T-Chan is the chef at this restaurant. He's murdering people on the side to serve to vegetarians? No, to eat himself. Okay, I see. (laughs) But he also comes under suspicion by the police, led by Orcot, of course. Because why write more characters when you can just have the same character do everything for you? I'm a fan. It keeps things Oh, no, absolutely. I love Orcot. He's everything the Japanese think Americans are. (laughs) That's true. So he's crass. He's loud. He's rude. He has very scantily clad women all over his apartment in posters, which is interesting because D gets really mad whenever he goes over there because he's like, Chris lives here and he's like six. Why do you have all of these things up there. He also has quite the mullet going on. Hey, that was acceptable back then. That's true. <laughs> so T-Chan, once he's caught by police, is given a way out to come live in the pet shop with D. And he takes it by attacking his own heart, which allows him to be reborn into the goat-like T-Chan that we see. Oh, wow. He like 
carves his own heart out. Yeah. According to the police report, it looked like he was carving it out to eat it. Because let's be gruesome. This is Pet Shop of Horrors after all. Sure. But at that point, everyone saw him as a human. Correct. Well, Chris can still see him in his human form, although his human form is much younger than his original human form. But it's really funny because T-Chan, because he was arrested by Orcot, has a special dislike for Officer Orcot and Uh enjoys chomping on him whenever he's in the shop. Hey, (laughs) that's good times. So you would recommend this? Absolutely. Why? Because it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's probably one of the most beautiful manga I have ever read. It has a somewhat grotesque but still relatable storyline, especially in the eco-friendly culture that we've started to live in. Plus, it's a great horror. It's very dark. It's not scary when you think of horror, but it's definitely got very, very dark themes that litter every single one of the stories. What's the age range? Most of the series is recommended for teen, but when we hit about volume 8, it changed into the older teen age range from 13 and up to 16 and up. And I believe the second series is also older teen. I I mean, there's blood, but there's no nudity. Correct, but keep in mind, it was originally rated by the Japanese, so (laughs) blood is much worse than nudity. Oh, interesting. Although every manga with nudity I have ever read has been an older teen as well. But so, Americanize this rating, where would you put it? I wouldn't recommend it for anyone who's much younger than 13. 13 and older, I you know, if you're a big horror fan, I wouldn't say no at like 12 either. So. And do you think it's skews more towards male or female or, or both? I would not say it's geared towards either. I think D is androgynous, which is a really cool thing because he's not actually human. And Orcot, who we often see this through, is not completely unrelatable to either male or female. I'd say he's much more of a male character, but seeing the other half of the series through D's eyes definitely makes it open for females. So, in some Final thoughts. It's a great series. You should totally read it if you can get a hold of it. It's still available, yeah? It's still available, but it is no longer in print. So it it hasn't been in print since Tokyo Pop went out of business. So anything you buy is... Yeah, Tokyo Pop. Why'd you go and leave us like that? But anything you buy will be something that was previously published. Got you. Manga Maven, what's your what's your rating on this one? This one, for me, will always be a 10. Always? Always. Wow, 10, I, the max. Every time I go back and read this series, I fall in love with it all over again. All right, I'm, I'm sold. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish reading it. It is it is. You really amazing. should. To, no, it's true, it's true. All right, well, thanks for coming in and talking to us about this. And now you see that the OAV is not the end point. You should check out the manga too. And if you also want to check out some manga, feel free to come on down to Meltdown Comics. They do have a manga section and, you know, we're 7522 Sunset Boulevard. Check us out. We've got some good stuff. So Their manga section's pretty awesome. I looked at it earlier. Yeah. Thanks for coming down, Raven. Of course. I think we're going to do this again. What's another series that you want to talk about? Well, I would like to talk about the second series of Pet Shop, but let's give it a couple episodes because, you know, we should talk about more than my favorite series. Fair enough. But there's a great one called Full Moon Wosaja site that has a really big cult following for its anime that I would love to cover. Okay. Well, then we'll make that happen. Sounds good. All right, cool. See you guys later. Bye, guys.